Hey guys, welcome back to the Ugly Ducklings podcast with your hosts, Bryce and Rashida. Today, we have our good friend Patrick on the podcast. I met Patrick back in 2018, but I believe Bryce and Patrick have been friends a little, well, even longer than that. Um, Patrick has his own podcast titled Rosé and Thorns, and we asked him here today to talk with us about body positivity. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. I actually love this show, so I'm freaking out a little bit. <laughs> oh, gosh. Don't guess. <laughs> I know. No, it's so good. I've been binging, like, every episode. Because um, I, when I started off, I was like, wait, this is really good. I can't just listen week by week. So I, like, saved some, and now I'm just like... Love it. I'm obsessed. Yes. I'm oh, binging. thank you. <laughs> well, first, let's just like give our listeners a little background on you. So please tell them a little bit about yourself, your podcast, yeah. you know, maybe how you've identified as an ugly duckling in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'm Patrick. I am, I go by P Ryan on all socials and in life. Um, <laughs> I am a budding psychologist. So working hard, trying to help people. I focus on uh, adults and adults who vary in sexual orientation, gender identity. Uh, and yeah, so I you know, do a lot of work. I'm out here, I'm single, yeah. <laughs> um, and how did I identify as an ugly duckling? Yeah. Mm, how did I identify as an ugly duckling? I was always a fun girl. I was always like <laughs> a person who people enjoyed to be around, but I think specifically around body, um, yeah. I always felt like my body was wrong, right? Or did not show up in the way that it should. And I think that was due to messages received from the environment, right? So I feel like that ugly duckling experience is a mix of not really having place, but also having place at the same time. Um, But yeah, when it came to body, you know, quack, quack, I was here. (laughs) I like that quack, quack. Yes. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, at least for you, like as a child, when you say like the messages, are you referring more to like entertainment and media or like even your family? Direct messages. So I was always, for as long as I can remember, like a Husky person, right? And literally there's a section in the youth area labeled Husky, right? So every time I would go clothes shopping with my parents, that's where I would go. But I like earliest memories, I remember, you know, going to the pediatrician and she like just freaked out. She's like, you're so big, you're too big. You need to like wash dishes. And I'm like, what the fuck, right? So in my house, there wasn't that message. But like when I went outside in the world, got it from pediatrician, I think about being at church. I come from a Caribbean background, not only in family, but, you know, in other surroundings and went to a very Caribbean church. I remember one Saturday, I'm Seventh-day Adventist, by the way, um, (laughs) one Saturday went to church and all I remember hearing from like every single adult is, you got so big, you got so wide. Are you eating dairy? Maybe you should run. And I remember just leaving that Saturday, like, what the fuck like what is wrong with me right and then you know we talked about ugly duckling and like the social space you know kids they're horrible so you'd hear things as early as second third fourth grade oh you need to wear a bra oh you're too big you're chunky all this stuff so like you get these little messages and over time it's like dang my body is not right Mm -hmm. yeah that's real Mm -hmm. I can definitely relate because uh, I too was on the husky side mm-hmm. into my I want to say from like 
10 until 15. So like, yeah, it definitely comes from within peers, family to a certain extent as well. Um, yeah. And it definitely gave me some body dysmorphia as I became an adult, not even gonna lie to you. It really impacts the way that you relate to your body, right? And so I always ask myself when I reflect, like, how did I feel about my body? And I realized I, up until recently, I never felt about my body, right? Mm. And so thinking from like a psychology standpoint, oftentimes when we deal with difficult emotions, we move out of a heart place into a head place. And so instead of feeling, we wind up thinking. And I think that is what the initial stages of my relationship to my body was. So, you know, going to the pediatrician, you're too big. Okay, well, instead of feeling that, how do I fix that, right? Yeah. You hear these messages from out in the public, how do I fix then this being too big? And you start to see that in like behaviors that I adopted over time and even behaviors that I struggle to kind of like manage presently, so. That was powerful. Um, You're gonna be reading some people when they listen back to this because like you said, it's more like, I don't wanna feel that way. So let me like be in my head about it and how can I fix it or change it? But the unfortunate thing is like certain things, yes, you can change other things you can't. So people may say to you, like, I know for me, it was not necessarily a weight issue. It was just like, oh, you ugly. You know, it's like, I can't change what I look like, but you're still trying to figure out, well, what can I do differently? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when it comes to weight, and I think it's so interesting living in a fat phobic society, that is something you can change right? But how are you going about and changing that? And sometimes we pick up these really unhealthy habits Mm. and nobody's there to call out those habits as unhealthy. What people are actually doing is like praising it because they're just like, wow, transformation stories. So to like be a little more transparent at the height of like my bigness, I was like pushing 300 pounds as a teen, right? A 60 waist, a 6XL shirt. Now, granted, you know, as a fashion girl too, that wasn't too much of an issue because, you know, a big tease and rock aware and, you know, Sean Don, all that was out. So I I found my space. But after a while, you know, I started walking, I started running. You saw the weight like melting off, right? And that would be reinforced by people saying, you look so good, keep it up. But that looks so good. Like I kept, in a way, it wasn't an addiction, but like I kept running. Then I started making other adjustments. Okay. No juice, right? No sugary drinks, no eating before, no eating after seven until I get to this place where that six XL shirt turns to me being like six, three, wearing a size medium, almost a 30 weight. So if you can imagine way too thin, right? But there were so many perks with that because Okay, you go to Abercrombie and Fitch. Do you want to work here? You go to St. Louis. Hey, Mm -hmm. do you want to be involved in Fashion Week? People from church, people in family, you look so good. And nobody's like popping in to say, something's up. You ain't looking right. Does all that make sense? Oh, it does. Yeah, it's like, Uh it's almost like what you're saying, like you're addicted to that piece of it. You're overworking your body. You're working out too much. You're not eating enough. You're not getting the right nutrients. But everyone's just like, well, you're skinny. So you're beautiful seven to eight miles a day after school would run to ballet and some you would think going home and resting after ballet no would go to the gym so literally overworking my body until now in my 30s my body literally stops in the most drastic ways when I run too much yeah wow oh my god I don't know I feel like 
not Degrassi, but there was like a show where it was like somebody was doing something like that and they were like overworking themselves almost to death. And it was like, you just get so addicted because everyone wants to be accepted. And when you're a kid, you're just so impressionable, right? Like, it's like, I want my teacher to like me. I want my parents to like me and to be proud of me and like do what they say. And then I want my peers to like me. And you see that when people kind of buy into that, they get rewarded in certain ways, like some ways is, you know, maybe financially, other ways is like social capital. And then you're addicted. And that's why even into your thirties, forties and so on, someone will have body issues or just people pleasing tendencies or different things. So it's like, how can I move away from what society says is acceptable? Absolutely. And was it Terry from Degrassi? Yes, she was, and maybe it was, yes, because she was the one that was like the bigger girl. And when you really mm-hmm. look back sometimes on like what was even considered big, it's uh. like you joking. Like I was re-watching Moesha and I had to stop because they were like, you know, and they like are calling um her best friend fat mm-hmm. and all the mm-hmm. fat jokes. And I was like, yo, today, like in 2020, because this is like during COVID. She would have just been like a little thick joint. Like nobody, mm-hmm. people, oh, she got some curves on her. All right. Like nobody would have been calling her fat. I was like, yeah. yeah. But this society is steeped in fat phobia, right? And it just, it mm-hmm. comes out in subtle ways. It comes out in really overt ways. It's a hot ass mess. Yeah. There's, I feel like celebrities, it was some white um, person that's really big in fitness. It's her, is it Jillian? Who went off on Lizzo about, you know, like essentially not liking that she was, body positive about being like a big girl and it was like oh well she's still unhealthy and blah 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 and she got a lot of flack for that i think she ended up having to apologize because people were not on board with that listen when it comes to sister lizzo the fat phobia jumps right out Mm -hmm. and it brings up this common misconception that people who are bigger are by default unhealthy right and people Mm -hmm. who are small are healthy Child, there are a lot of small people with diabetes. There are a lot of small people with hypertension. There are a lot of small people who should probably eat more, right, to get the nutrients that they need. And on the flip side, there are a lot of bigger people who are quite healthy. I remember recently, which is why I don't go to this doctor anymore, I went to have my annual physical and I was just telling the doctor about like just some things that come up. Remember, I tell you my body like gets really dramatic when I run too much and that concerned me in the beginning. And so I was sharing this experience with my doctor and automatically she was just like, well, you need to lose weight. You must have diabetes, right? Or, and it's just like pulling out all these things out of a hat, a white physician, by the way. And so when all of the like labs come back, I'm well within the range of my sugars. My blood pressure is fine. Like I'm a healthy individual, right? And so all of that she attributed to a bigger size. She might have also linked it to me being a black person because you know, the medical system does a lot of harm in that way. And so, yeah, we have this really fat phobic culture and we hold a lot of these like really harmful beliefs that we need to kind of dispel. Fat doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy. So I'm very curious though, when all those labs came back, how did this doctor, geez, I'm having tongue twister right now. How was she able to like now change the narrative? So first it was, yo, you need to lose weight. Well, now when she gets all the, the numbers back that you're good, was it just like, oh, well, my bad? Like, 
So we'll never know because <laughs> in my <laughs> in my 30s, I look back on history and I'm like, all the times people haven't protected me, I'm gonna now protect myself. So when I had that experience, I was like, all right, let the labs come back, but I'm gonna find another clinician, right? Yes. So screw that lady, we won't ever talk again. So, you know, the rest is still unwritten. Yeah, it, you know what? You When you said white physician and like I, you had to point that out, it's so important because- I know amongst my friends, usually like, and I'm now speaking just now locally, since I'm in California right now, when you say, oh, I go to a doctor, they're like, okay, are they black? And then you're like, either yes or no. And most of the time for me, like I was trying to find black doctors. And when I couldn't, I was like, all right, well, I'll go to another person of color. But it's like, I don't know, it sounds kind of messed up, but I didn't feel as comfortable just going to a white doctor because I had gone particularly to a white physician who was, you know, well, a white OBGYN. And I was having certain issues and like nothing happened. No, having the same recurring problems. It was never seemed like she was really taking any real concern about like less understand what is going on down there. And then I went and found a black OBGYN and literally within like one, maybe two like appointments, my problem was fine. And it was just like, wow, like you actually were asking certain questions, try this, try this. And what she even prescribed me was like a, a, like one of those natural supplements. It wasn't even something like that I was having to take like over like hard medicine. Yeah, and the literature supports that, right? So the medical system in general has a history that's steeped in racism. Black folks were not seen as folks who needed care. Black folks were seen as people who could, you know, handle a little bit more pain. And so you see that come out in gynecology, you see that come out in primary care, you see that come out in cancer, hypertension, you name it, right? Right. There's kind of a bias there against us. And so we really have to I would love for us to feel affirmed in knowing that like we get to choose our provider and we don't have to settle for BS. Yeah, snap, snap to that because I definitely be like, I don't like this person. I will not be back in. Period. <laughs> I didn't change my whole primary care physician over some stuff. So I, I feel you. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about your body now versus when you were a teenager? Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that now I'm actually starting to feel. And so different emotions come up, right? Sometimes joy comes up. Um, I think therapy has been like a godsend. And so I feel just like happy and affirmed in general with a multitude of things. And so when it comes to my body, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, you're that girl, okay? You're doing that. (laughs) And I will say it's not an everyday thing, right? So I never want to push this like, constant positivity message sometimes it's like dang you ate that today your stomach isn't going down what's going on right or sometimes it's like these clothes feel a little too snug this feels uncomfortable and so and I notice also like as a postdoc there's a lot of other stressors going on in my life sometimes when I feel anxious about like other things it then gets projected into how I feel about my body and so it's a constant struggle um, or a constant journey. And I'm yeah. really trying my hardest to like show up in the kindest ways every single day. No, like a big milestone for myself was once upon a time, I used to hop on the scale every single day. 
and just look at the, and just weigh myself, right? And then there was a moment where I thought to myself, like, this is driving me crazy. This is not sustainable. And I think it wasn't until I turned 20 where I hopped off the scale. That's what I call it. I hopped off the scale. And I might check it now, maybe like once every six months, just to make sure I'm in a good range, but not every day. And the reason why I appreciate this conversation too, Bryce, is because we don't hear a lot of men talking about these body issues. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we we have conversations about weight and how we view ourselves and it's always, you know, women-centric or, yeah. um, you know, this is kind of a girl issue, but there are so many men who feel insecure, uneasy about how they show up uh, in the physical space, how they show, how their bodies look. Yeah, for sure. Cause Rashida, like, you know, we used to travel a lot and, you know, when we used to go on those trips, how many dudes did we see at the beach who wouldn't even take off their shirt? Yes, I was literally about to say that, Bryce, because the last time before, you know, COVID happened, like I and I went somewhere, I went on a CDE trip to Antigua, you know, 500 black professionals, half men, half women, let's just say even ratio. But those guys down there, you know, would consider themselves, I guess, the cream of the crop by Instagram standards, right? I have a degree. I ain't got no kids. I got me a nice little whip, blah, 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 blah. Um, I am the prize, but now we're by the pool and homeboys got on socks and shirts because they don't actually feel comfortable. And it was on both aspects too. Like you had the guy who was really skinny. He also had a shirt on cause he didn't feel buff enough. And then you have the guy who's quote unquote big. And he also doesn't feel comfortable because people might say something about his stomach. So you had this very wide spectrum of guys on, on either end who really weren't comfortable. And it's so wild because all of that discomfort takes away from the fact that the difference is what makes bodies beautiful, right? The fact yes. that we can go outside and see, you know, a nigga with a gut or a nigga who's super <laughs> skinny or one who's jacked, like that's the beauty of us being humans in this human experience. That's the beauty of like us showing up in our bodies, right? There's yes. diversity, but yet all of us feel uncomfortable because we've been conditioned to feel like there's just one way to look which is so wild. And then I don't know how you feel. I would love to get your perspective, like for both of you guys, like from a male perspective on trends with beauty, right? Because with women body wise, like early 2000s, it was like, you know, the skinnier, the better. Um, even 90s, a lot of the girls were very skinny. And then now it's like BBLs and like thick thighs and all this. So do you feel like with male bodies, there has ever been trends on like what's acceptable like to look like from that perspective? Ooh, I feel like, okay, so within the queer community, I feel like it's two extremes. It's like super, super muscular or super, super, super thin. Okay. And it's like, now there's like this new, this new, I don't want to say trend, but like the huskier guy is getting a lot of play, like the daddies, right? Yeah. Bears, you know? So I don't know. I feel like it's, it's all over the place within the queer community. I would agree, Bryce. And I think even with those different body types that are praised, right? So you got the super chiseled six pack to 12 pack abs, right? Mm -hmm. If possible. You got the dad bod and you even got the skinny guy. I think the common thread between all three is that in order to be appealing, media or culture pushes that there has to be like a, a masculinity tied into it. Mm 
So yeah, you can be dad bod, but those shoulders got to look like you can throw me around. You can be super mm. skinny nigga, but like you got to present in a way that makes me know that thing is slanging, right? Yeah. I never mm-hmm. see like a variation in that where it's like dad bod and you can be femme or super lanky and you can be a little, you know, flowery, right? And have that still be sexy. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to femme, which is probably a whole different conversation, I feel like sexy and femme within media don't necessarily go together. Because even when you think about, when you think about queer or gay or bisexual celebrities, it's never a femme guy. Never, rarely. I, I don't even know anyone who would, I, who would say someone who's feminine is attractive within the media. Absolutely, I agree. And, you know, I think about this conversation I had with someone close-ish to me, right? And I was in this stage where I was just like, I know I'm fine. Where the men at, right? And their advice to me was, you want that man that we see in media, right? You want that, like, stocky dad bod man you have to show up in the same way right and so as like kind of like you were saying we don't see that femme presentation in media there has to be kind of this tie to masculinity but can i also highlight on this podcast that that is a lie from the pits of hell niggas love a little femboy <laughs> right okay. if you're fat skinny jacked whatever if you got a little you know sugar in your tank niggas love you and you'll get some play let the Listen. data show <laughs> Uncle Clifford don't put everybody on, okay? All right, bringing my heels out this summer. <laughs> oh my gosh. I be loving your outfits on IG. I'm like, you be slaying hoes. But it's I mean, I, I love that you say like you have those moments. It's a journey because even for me, I think for the most part, my whole life, I've always been like athletic bill playing basketball. So I've never really people have always been like, oh, your body's amazing. But even for me, there's times where I'm like, oh, I don't like this outfit or I don't think I look attractive. But to your point, it could be so many other things externally that are also driving that. Um, And then also it's just like what things are not common. Cause like for me, it's never been about so much weight it has been height. And for women, that's always been kind of tagged to being masculine or oh you must be gay because you play basketball and you're tall like what guy would date you you know and so then you're like not necessarily feeling unattractive but then you're like uncomfortable in your own skin because oh my god people are staring at me they're judging me they have all these um, assumptions about me already before I can even open my mouth and I'm sure for a lot of people especially um, when it comes to like weight I don't even know the first thing of what that feels like because I've had friends in your, you know, they're talking about, I want to lose weight. I want to go to the gym. Like, oh, well then go. But you're like, you don't even realize for them the social piece of that. Like I'm on the treadmill, I'm working out and people are watching me and like, what are you doing in here? Like you're big. And you're like, that's not even something that comes through my mind. Yeah, the gym can be such an intimidating place, right? But it, the gym is kind of like a, a microcosm for life right? As a person who, whose weight may not be where they want it to be, or a person who feels weird because of their body, like different spaces are going to feel awkward for you, right? Whether it be the gym, whether it be the beach, whether it be the pool, uh, you know, the mall, right? Trying on clothes. You just got to remind yourself, this is the body you got. You can't go buy a new one. Mm -hmm. No, you're so right. And I think the mall one you just said, 
I, my friends are always surprised like you don't like to shop in real life. I said, no, I hate shopping in person. And I think mm-hmm. I hate shopping in person because all throughout like childhood and teenage years, nothing would fit in the store, especially anything like bottom related. So long dress, um, jeans, pants, anything like that was always too short. They never had my size. And so it's like, well, why am I even coming to the store to be disappointed? I just mm-hmm. won't come. Big time oppression. Right. So as a person who's tall as well, I tell people that I'm six one, but apparently I'm a liar. I must be six two or six three. Plus the way <laughs> the way that my body just shows up. I have super huge thighs. I have an ass. It is so hard to find pants. That's both the waist and the length. Right. And yeah. one thing that we have to kind of detach ourselves from, because I don't know about you, but I would blame myself. I'd be like, damn. I can't fit anything in this store. There was a time that I went shopping. I couldn't fit anything in Abercrombie, Aeropostale, American Eagle, Old Navy, right? So it tells you the time that I was shopping, right? (laughs) But that's not a me issue. That's also the clothes makers issues, right? So these clothes are cut and tailored, not for us. They're tailored for white folks, right? And so you may buy the size that you think is yours. You may buy the, the length that you think is yours. And then when you put it on, it can barely get over your calves. Never getting over the calves. Let me tell you. Gosh. <laughs> no, that's so true. And like, I buy a lot of clothes, like a size up. And I had a really bad issue with like, and I, I know we're kind of going a little off topic, but like, I know it's somewhat related to body positivity, but you're like, not sure what your size is because like in one store, I am a extra large and another store I am a medium and another store. So it's like, okay, what am I actually? And then I noticed, particularly with women clothes, this was about probably now at least 10 years ago, probably like early, like 2010, 2011. At the time I used to like urban outfitters a lot. So I was always in there and all of a sudden extra large on the women's side went away. It's like, no. And so now most, if you go now and look at a lot of stores, I think they might start have started to bring it back because of all the issues and complaints that the fashion industry has been getting about inclusivity. But you're like, okay, so after large, it's just a dub for you. Like you're not getting it. I just say, thank God for online shopping. So I don't have to step foot into these stores. I'll just buy a whole bunch, try them on here, send back whatever. And also thank God for tailors because I've just accepted if I buy something off the rack, it's never going to fit exactly the way I need it to fit. So let me go down to Miss Taylor and hook it up. So true. Cause that's, I definitely have a friend also who does the same thing. Cause like, especially with women who have big asses and a nice tiny waist, you can't buy jeans off the rack. Not at right. all. <laughs> mean girls quote, you can try Sears. I tried Sears. <laughs> ho. I tried it. <laughs> See, we was fat shaming um, Regina the whole half of the movie see he wasn't right i know oh my god so for those of us struggling with body issues body image issues body positivity all of those kind of things like what advice do you have to help people kind of overcome that get naked right so one thing that i do is, you know, I live by myself so i have this luxury i literally get naked and i go in the mirror and i'm like all right girl you may not feel good about this body today, but this is the body you really got. And not knocking surgery, if I ever get lipo one day, you know, 
I'll say it here. I, I'm, I'm a proponent of surgery. However, I'm pain averse, right? And so I don't want to invest in that pain experience. I don't want to invest in like the aftercare. So this is literally the body that I have after all of the running, after all of the lifting. And I'm a person who doesn't want to miss out on life just because I wasn't satisfied with the body that shows up. I don't want to be a person who feels like I'm not worthy of good food, good wine, good sex, just because I got titties, thick thighs, and all this other stuff, right? So I literally look at myself and I'm like, this is the body we got. It looks good. It's going to look good to somebody. Make sure it looks <laughs> good to you and keep it moving. And so I hope that helps someone. It will. It definitely will. And I love that you say get naked because, you know, this is another piece that we should probably do a podcast on, but people don't like to have sex with like actually naked. Like you meet men and women who are like, I got to keep some type of clothing on, like the bra still on, the socks are still on. It's like, what? Like I got to keep a t-shirt on. No. Or I need the lights off for what I want. I like you. So I want to see every piece of you, but they're not comfortable. So it's like, nah, turn the lights off. Child can't relate. I like to be butt booty naked with the lights on. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't relate. I like that. (laughs) So, you know, for those who feel uncomfortable, get naked, you know, get used to yourself. Put a little Christina Aguilera on beautiful. You'll be fine every day. (laughs) Don't look at me. <laughs> mean girls quotes. Yeah, wow, man. It's been over 20 years now. Oh, no, not 20 years. Is it? Wait, no, that movie came I out in 04. I think so 18. what is it, 18 now? Mm. Okay, yikes. A classic. A classic. Yikes. Anyway, still one of my favorites. So good. But yeah, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. So please plug the podcast, plug your IG, all of your social, if people want to find you, if they need advice, you know, because you are a sexologist, like Mm -hmm. tell me where they can find you. Yes. So you can find me first on my website at impryan.com. That's I-A-M-P-R-Y-A-N. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Same handle, I am P Ryan, I A M P R Y A N. I make it easy for you. And um, as Rashida mentioned, I have a podcast called Rose and Thorns. That's Rose as in the wine, plus sign Thorns. Um, and you can find that anywhere you can find streaming, right? Anywhere you can stream a podcast. <laughs> He's also a sex operator on the side because his voice is amazing. Oh, yeah. You can hit my cash app at I am P Ryan. <laughs> Yes, you definitely have like that smooth, like it's after midnight radio. Let's yes. like put on some great so songs. Good. Listen, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> so soothing. Very. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks everyone for listening to the Ugly Ducklings podcast. If you have any recommendations for future topics, please hit us up on email at uglyducklingspod at gmail.com. You know, of course, if you just want to catch up with us on social, you can find us at Bryce Lennon or at Love Jones Mark on Instagram. And we will catch y'all next week. Peace. Later.